with all wisdom, where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown, and I'm here today with Cliff McManus, and we are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and professors at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And today we want to talk about parachurch ministries. But before we get to our topic, I want to point your attention to withallwisdom.org, where you will find a large and growing collection of resources on various theological, cultural, and practical topics that are all rooted in God's Word and aimed to help you make genuine progress in your walk with the Lord. Now on to today's topic. When I said the phrase parachurch ministries just now, some of you may have wondered what I was referring to. What do I mean when I refer to parachurch ministries or a parachurch ministry? Well, let's just define it right away so that we know what we're talking about today. This is how we would define a parachurch ministry. A parachurch ministry is an evangelical Christian ministry that, more or less, operates independently of the local church in its governance and funding. So these institutions are Christian, and they conduct ministry, but they are not local churches. The word para means alongside, so the word parachurch literally means alongside the church. And you're probably already familiar with lots of parachurch ministries, even if you didn't know that that's uh, how they're uh, referred to generally. Uh, With All Wisdom is a parachurch ministry, if you weren't aware of that. And some well-known seminaries are parachurch ministries, uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, The Master Seminary in Southern California, Westminster Theological Seminary in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Even the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary, where Cliff and I serve as professors, is a parachurch ministry. Perhaps you've listened to some radio ministries like Grace to You, which hosts John MacArthur's teaching uh, every day or every week, or Insight for Living, which hosts Chuck Swindoll's sermons, or Desiring God, which hosts John Piper's sermons and written material. Or maybe you've heard of college athletic parachurch ministries like Athletes in Action or Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And speaking of college ministries, maybe you've heard of or been involved in uh, parachurch ministries who serve uh, serve college campuses and college students. Perhaps you've heard of InterVarsity or Reformed University Fellowship. Globally, in terms of uh, serving people worldwide and in terms of their needs, uh, their physical needs. Maybe you've heard of Compassion International or Samaritan's Purse. These are all parachurch ministries. They're not local churches, but they are Christian organizations led and managed by Christians, and they're doing various ministries. And so we want to talk about these parachurch ministries because we've noticed as we've just scanned the horizon of uh, contemporary Christianity, that a number of these parachurch ministries don't define themselves in relation to the local church, which is ironic given their classification as a parachurch ministry. As Like we just earlier said, parachurch literally means alongside the church. And so we're a little concerned about that. We want, we're not against parachurch ministries. Obviously, we, we serve in them, we work in them, Cliff and I do, other people do, and So we're not against them, but we do want to think about them rightly. We want to make sure that they're in the right place in our thinking theologically and in their relation to the church. So that's why we brought up this topic for today. And I think in order to start, we need to start with a theology of the church. But before I get to that, Cliff, did you have anything that you wanted to say by way of introduction? Yeah, I think this is a really important topic, parachurch. And you alluded to or referenced parachurch ministries 
in relation to college campuses. Yeah. And I think about when I first got saved. I was I was not a Christian at age 19 at college. Um, and as a freshman, I remember on our college campus, this Christian would show up on campus talking to the students, uh, and it turned out he was from one of these uh, campus ministries, parachurch ministries. Yeah. And at the time, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah. And he worked for them full time. I was a pagan. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. But he was a nice guy. I ended up getting saved and becoming a Christian my freshman year in college. And then I began to affiliate with almost exclusively Christian ministries that mm. were parachurch organizations. Right. So in the first two years of my Christian life, I didn't even really know anything about the commitment to the local church. Yeah. Everything in my whole Christian worldview had to do with the parachurch organization. But I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was oblivious to it. Right. And then it wasn't until three years into my Christian life where I realized, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus came and it's all about the church. Mm-hmm. What, what have I been doing? Mm-hmm. And then that's when I began to see the light a little bit and then others kind of helped me along. And what was particularly helpful is they made a distinction between parachurch ministries and the church. Mm. Uh, and so that's why I think it's uh, this would be really helpful for a lot of Christian folks to understand those two distinctions. What is parachurch like you already defined? And how is that different than the church? Do they complement one another? And why is it important? Yeah. And that's a great point you bring up, uh, particularly about uh, Campus Crusades for Christ, which is now called Crew. I actually uh, attribute uh, my salvation to uh, God working through a particular man. His name was Alan. He was worked for Campus Crusades for Christ, and he kept pursuing me on this college campus, uh, even mm-hmm. when I didn't want to be pursued. And so I'm thankful for that particular parachurch organization and for his commitment to evangelism. Because it was through his work that I think eventually I was brought to brought to Christ, and and then, uh, but similar to what you said, my experience was also then immediately being involved in a Christian college, which was a parachurch organization, and so similar to your your experience, my learning of the distinction and the clarifying of the distinction between church and parachurch definitely came later in my Christian life because I did have significant interaction with parachurch organizations. Uh, in my early Christian life. So that's helpful. Well, for the record, yeah. you made me think of something that I wasn't thinking of a moment ago. In light of your testimony, for the record, I would say, in light of where you and I are going in this discussion yes. and where we will probably end up, yeah. <laughs> and some people might be thinking, oh, are you dismissive of parachurch organizations? Are Pastor Cliff and Pastor Derek, are you saying they're not legitimate at all or God can't use them? And I am reminded that when I heard the gospel right. for the first time yeah. – through Athletes in Action and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I got saved in the context of those two ministries, not the local church. Right, right. So uh, thank God that he can use many different means, right? um, whether they are off kilter or not. Right. Uh, The issue is is the gospel that saves. So we'll talk more about that. Yeah, we will. And in order to have a a a clarity on how to think about parachurch organizations, ministries, we need to start with a theology of the church. Yep. And so the first question we want to ask is, what is the church? Uh, and and when we, we talk about what is the church, we typically distinguish between, or historically there's been a distinction between the universal church and the local church. So the universal church would be all believers in Christ from all times, all time periods and all eras. Up to this day, that would consist of the universal church, all true believers in Jesus Christ, post-Pentecost, 
till today. That would be the universal church. People on earth who are saved. That's right. In addition to people in heaven. That's right. Who maybe great-grandma was a Christian and died and went to heaven, and she's part of this universal church. Amen. There you go. So that's the universal church. But then there's a distinction between that and the local church. And so the local church is a local concrete expression of that universal church. It's a localized expression of that universal church. You have in that local church, and this is now comes to our definition of, of what is the church or what is a local church, is a gathering of regenerate Christians that finds its expression in local congregations led by qualified elders where the word of God is preached, the ordinances are practiced, and people are shepherded and discipled. Anything you'd like to add? Oh, that's excellent. That? And this is like on earth now currently? Yes, and these, uh, each one of these local assemblies is uh, has some autonomy mm-hmm. by God's design. And when we say that the Apostle Paul, you look at the book of Acts, he was a church planter yeah. in addition to being a – but he was a church planter. What yeah. did he do? He planted local churches. Right. He wasn't planting universal churches. Right. Right. And that's an important distinction to make and, and point to make, actually. When you look at the word ecclesia, that's the word translated church in the New Testament. That's the Greek word. Ecclesia, and it's, it's translated church in our New Testament English Bibles. And uh, out of the, I think it's referred to over a hundred times, or it's used a hundred times, over a hundred times in the New Testament. That word is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. Out of that hundred times or over a hundred times effect, I think I have here 105 times, uh, 70 or more times. So this is upwards of 70% of the time that this, times that this word is used in the New Testament, it refers to local churches. Yep. And I think that's an important element because what we're talking about is when we refer to the church, we're talking primarily about that local expression. That's the priority of the New Testament, is focusing on that local expression of Christ's universal church. It's finding its expression in these local churches, which is why you have over 70% of the time when that word is being used, it has reference to local churches. Yeah, that local expression of believing saints, people, right. just to clarify for people out there, when we talk about New Testament church over 100 times, never does it refer to the church building mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, or the facilities. It's the people. Right. It's the assembly. Right. It's uh, the group of saints. The, yeah, the congregation. Yeah. The congregation. Yeah. And uh, simply, just to keep things simple, what would we say is the mission of the church? I would say, we even talked about this in our last episode, if you want to check that out. Episode number 34 on uh, missions. Uh, what's the mission of the church? It's to make disciples. And uh, would you like to add anything to that, fill that definition out, or the, talking about the mission of the church, the purpose of the church? Yeah, the purpose of the church. Um, I like that terminology. The mission can be confusing and fuzzy. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but uh, that's the word that we use almost universally, mission. You don't mm. find the word mission in the New Testament right. or the Bible because it's a Latin term is yeah. the problem. It comes from the Latin and French around the 15 and 1600s and then ended up in our language, so it can confuse people. But it just – it simply means to send, mm. which comes from a New Testament concept like John twenty twenty one. This is the – where Jesus said to Peter, as the Father has sent me, I send you also. Mm. Um, so – uh, missions has to do with being sent by God to be his representatives and ambassadors mm-hmm. of gospel truth. And that's the mission of a local church. Yeah. And so when we talk about local church uh, or church versus parachurch, what we are talking about is recognizing that you have an original entity. That's the language I like to use. It kind of helped me just 
picture these things a little more clearly. You have an original entity, namely the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. That's Matthew chapter 16. I will build my ecclesia. And then you see that you, as you work through the New Testament, that this church that he's building finds ex- its expression in these local churches. But Christ is building his church, and he's building this one entity. He's not building multiple entities. He's not building multiple institutions. He's building his church. And so you could say that the church is that original entity. So then the parachurch ministry is, by definition and by its very nature, a derivative entity. It's not the original. It only has its existence by depending upon that original, that church. You can't have a parachurch unless you have the original church. And so even by the very nature of the word, by the very nature of the church, we have to recognize that the priority in God's economy of salvation, the priority is the church, and primarily the local church. And that that might sting for some who are heavily involved in parachurch ministries to hear, but it is it is the case biblically that that original entity and that priority, therefore, is the local church. Yeah, let me read that um, verse you just referred to, yeah. Derek, because it's so foundational. Towards the end of his ministry, Jesus here, Matthew 16, 18, with his t- probably all 12 apostles preparing them for his departure, and he made this promise, talking specifically to Peter. Uh, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I, and Jesus is talking, I will build my church. I will build my assembly. I will build my congregation. I will build my group of believers who follow me. That's what he meant. And it's it's his. It was his possession. That was a promise. It had a beginning point. It didn't exist in the Old Testament. didn't exist up till this point. Uh, Jesus would do – he would build the church based on his work of death and resurrection on the mm-hmm. cross, and that's where it started. Uh, so I will build my church in the gates of Hades or the gates of death literally will not overpower it. Nothing is going to overcome or stop the growth and the progress of the church that Jesus builds. And right. just a summary statement, this is – the church of Jesus Christ is the only institution on earth that Jesus promised to himself, build and perpetuate. Right. And that's – again, that's an important point to make when we are assessing parachurch ministries their place, their purpose, as we'll talk about in a little bit. In fact, let's transition to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk now about the the kind of the state of parachurch ministries as it stands currently. If you would go and just study the websites of various parachurch ministries, some of which I've already mentioned, you have these, you have seminaries, you have radio programs, you have... Uh, international care ministries and so on. You have these athletic athlete ministries, college ministries, and so on. As you study those, rarely, at least in my experience, and I've looked at a, a fair amount of these websites, just kind of get a, a feel for, for how these uh, ministries are thinking about themselves, consciously con- thinking about their own institution and their, their purpose for existence. Rarely would I find a organization, a parachurch organization that would say that it had a specific connection to or uh, that their purpose had a specific connection to the local church. In fact, sometimes local church wasn't even mentioned. They would talk about serving Christians or glorifying God and and preaching the word and and doing these kinds of things, all of which are good things and I would commend them for. 
but there was something missing, and it was this connection to the local church and seeing their existence in relation to the local church, seeing their purpose in relation to the local church. And I'm not saying that was universal. There were some that were very specific to mention their purpose in relation in relation to the local church, but it was few and far between. And I found that discouraging specifically because of what we just got done talking about. The the primary, the or I should say the original entity is the church. And the priority entity for that reason is the church. That's the institution that Jesus is building. So that when you see these Christian organizations, as they express and articulate their reason for existence and their purpose, having no relation to the church, that was discouraging to say the least, and a little confusing to be honest. Yeah. And um, in relation to that, these many parachurch organizations, like you said, they purpose to do things that aren't bad. That's right. Like a lot yeah, of them, right. it was like, we exist to share the love of Jesus, or most of them would say they exist to do ministry or Christian right. ministry. Right. Yet many of them have no reference whatsoever to the church. Mm-hmm. They're oblivious to the local church. Right. Exactly. Which you and I as pastors in a local church, that doesn't even that's just confounding. It doesn't even fit into our worldview. How right. can you share the love of Jesus? How can you do ministry and serve people in the name of God apart from the church? Right. You can't. Right. Would be our position because that's what we think the Bible clearly says. Right. And and this kind of thinking definitely makes its way down into the people who are part of these organizations. And just as an example, as a kind of anecdotal example, I used to serve at uh, for we our church used to have a ministry at Stanford's campus and it was one of the, the ways when people would ask me so because you would go up there and there's other Christian ministries on campus and so I would always get the question what makes your ministry distinct and I would always answer my first answer was always our ministry is distinct because we're one of I think there is one other one otherwise none of them were this way we are a ministry of a local church. We're not a parachurch organization. The people that are serving in this ministry are members at our church. I, I am the pastor at this local church. I oversee this ministry here at Stanford. And so I would always be clear to distinguish our ministry as a ministry of the local church. And then we get into conversations why that was important. And one particular conversation was with a young lady who was part of one of the larger parachurch ministries on campus. And she described their relate her relationship in this ministry to the local church as one of competition. She used that word. She said, I do see the I, I remember it as clear as day, she says, I do see our ministry in competition with the local church because we're able to do things that the local church cannot do. Wow. So she admitted that. She admitted that, yeah. Mm. And whether or not she had been taught that or just kind of imbibed it by the way the the ministry is structured and, and all that. I'm not sure, but she did at least say that, articulate that that was her view, and that's how she felt about it. And that was stunning to yeah. me. Which goes back to the definition of parachurch, which you said yeah. means that a parachurch is supposed to come alongside of yeah. the church, right? subservient to the church, help the church, aid the church, uh, not be in competition with the church. Right. And that, that was... I don't remember exactly where the conversation went, but that is where I tried to to take it was to help her recognize that because the church is the original entity, that whatever ministry is a part of that's she's a part of that's a parachurch. That your your job and your reason for existence in this parachurch organization is to come alongside the church and 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 help and assist the church. Perhaps this institution, this ministry's 
particularly good at campus evangelism. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. But don't organize yourself in a way that places you in competition with the local church. Instead, uh, join local churches, help local churches be more effective in this way, equip the people in these local churches to better minister to the college students and so on. Uh, this ha- so then so then okay so that happened. Here's another uh, anecdotal story here that highlights what I'm talking about. Um, even when some organizations will will kind of it seems give lip service to the idea that the local church is is the priority. This this very thing happened to me. I was at a local pastor's gathering, and a gentleman from one of these campus ministries was there. And he, he, he was asked to present his ministry to us guys as pastors, right? And he's, he's wanting uh, help in his ministry up at uh, these college campuses here in the Bay Area. And he was talking with us and, and, and sharing what his ministry was. And, and I'm right in the thick of doing Stanford's ministry. So I, I, right after he was done presenting, I walked up to him and I said, hey, hey brother, I'm really excited. Let, let's join. Let's partner. Let's do this. Uh, I'm, I'm, what, what can I do to, to help you? What, what, what would you be able to do to help our group and so on? And it was interesting because for all of his promises about wanting to work together, when I went over and started talking to him about, okay, here's what we could do and being very practical and concrete about it, the first thing he was concerned about was territory encroachment. Mm-hmm. So in that situation there, where there seemed to be some sort of desire to be in partnership with the local church, practically, it seemed to be stalled because, well, what do you do if I start taking people from his group or vice versa? And there was no real kind of way of thinking about how to partner with the local church. It sounded good, but when it came down to it, it it wasn't going to work. And I don't blame him in, in particular. I'm not blaming him. Uh, it probably was within because of the ministry he's working with him. But I just found that to be incredibly interesting, if not ironic. That it is ironic that as he is, is looking for help, that when it's offered, that it was parachurch to come alongside yeah. to partner with, right. not be territorial. Right. So, um, just a quick question, as I think we're wrapping up this yeah. first session here. Yeah. From from your experience. Do, as you interacted with parachurch organizations or leaders of those, do they? Would you say they typically know that they are a parachurch organization and they're okay with that title? That's a good question. I think if I would just, I'm not sure that that's uh, like a self-consciously. They're self-consciously classifying themselves yeah. that way. I'm not sure either. Yeah. I, I do know some parachurch organizations that welcome that title, okay, unto themselves. Sure. While at the same time, they're very independent of the local church. Right. That's the irony. Right. It's, we're parachurch. Well, then you need to be partnering and working with alongside of subservient to right. the main organization, the church. Right. There seems to be a disconnect a lot of times. Yeah. That's a good question. I think in my experience I, I've had that I've worked with and talked with uh, folks involved in these ministries, they would refer to them just by the ministry names, mm. but uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure that they referred specifically to themselves as parachurch. But if, if and when they do, you're right. There is some irony if there is not this deliberate action to come alongside the local church. Well, this has been a great conversation, Cliff, and I appreciate your insights on this issue of church and parachurch ministries. And we hope it's been helpful for you as you're thinking about these 
issues. And we thank you for joining us. Again, I want to encourage you to check out withallwisdom.org, where you'll find uh, a lot of resources there to help you think about these and other practical theological and cultural issues. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord in His Word.